Thanks everyone for making the time to join us. Um, we know that a lot of people are very busy at the moment with what's happening in the world. So we do really appreciate you making the time to learn a bit more about contractor management. So as Sarah said, today is part four of five of the contractor safety series, and we are gonna focus on control verification learning and improvement. So um, you'll notice that um, Mark Wright's not here, so unfortunately he couldn't make it today, but um, I've jumped in. And um, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Director of FIFO Consulting, working in the risk and safety space, and also head up the partnership program with FIFO and the Health and Safety Index as well. And as Sarah mentioned, I'm really lucky today to be joined by Amelia. So I'll uh, hand over to Amelia to do a quick introduction about herself and Spaceframe. Thanks, Terry. I feel like between you and Sarah, you've got me covered. Um, look, as I said, my name's Amelia. I'm the health and safety, health, safety and environmental manager for a company called Space Frame Builders. Uh, they're a mid-tier Brisbane-based design and construction um, company specialising in commercial and industrial construction. Um, I, you know, have experience at sort of different ends of business maturity and scale. Um, and so I'm really looking forward to sharing with you some of that experience um, and, and how contractor safety management can look a bit different for every business and in different industries as well. Thanks so much. And that's a really important point that there is such a um, sliding scale between where businesses are at and what they need to try and achieve. So we'll talk about that in a bit more detail soon as well. So just a reminder, the overall theme of the webinar series is contractor management, how much is too much? And it's often a question that people find themselves asking. I've worked in organisations that don't want to dip their toe anywhere near the water of the contractor. And I've worked with organisations who mandate critical controls and have a really strong grasp of what's happening in that space. Um, and just another reminder, we've made our conscious effort to keep these sessions quite short and sharp. So they do go for about 30 minutes. Um, and is, with all sessions, please feel free to get involved. Use the chat. Uh, there's a Q&A at the end. So... Uh, yeah, we'd love to hear your stories as well if you've got some stories around uh, contractor management within the chat. A quick reminder about who we are. So FIFO Consulting. So we're a risk, health and safety advisory firm that was founded out of Sydney. But we're now working across Australia with um, a presence in each state, which is really exciting. And we do have a really strong partnership network as well, which is growing to uh, international countries, which is uh, really exciting for us. Another thing that is really exciting, uh, you'll see there the big logo down the bottom, the Risk Excellence Awards 2022. So we were recently notified that we are a finalist for the IIRSM Excellence Awards. Now this was for the uh, SME Risk Initiative of the Year, and this is for the work we did with our sister company, the Health and Safety Index, with the Australian Grand Prix Corporation, uh, which is uh, in the news ever at the moment as it's kicking off tomorrow, I believe. So um, for those of you going, uh, I might see you there. Uh, another quick reminder before we really kick into it. So FIFO have a self-assessment tool that will help you identify your current um, and desired state regarding contractor management. Uh, we won't go into too much detail here, but if you do want some more information or you want to have a chat around how this may help you, please let us know after the webinar. So as Sarah mentioned, there is a poll, which we'll get into now. So the question we're asking today is, should you mandate critical control for your contractors? So I can see there the poll has come up. So if you can please make a choice there. But whilst that poll is happening, Amelia, what's your experience with mandating critical controls? So, I mean, I think that we've heard in previous presentations that the scope and the level of rigour around any contractor safety model is really going to depend heavily on that stage of maturity of that business. So 
um, you know, implementing critical controls is really a proactive approach to mitigating those material unwanted events. And it's one that requires some collective data and insight. So it's something that you might be unlikely to see in a company that might be in the very early stages of its maturity. But that said, once that business approach to safety develops, you know, into priority right through to best in class, what that critical control management um, strategy looks like will look different with varying amounts of kind of detail and rigour. Um, and I think, if, you know, if I can give some examples of where that, how that looks different at Lendlease, they're obviously, you know, they're a world, they are a world leader in environmental health and safety management and they have these uh, global minimum requirements and they're effectively critical control points that they've got, you know, from for all aspects of their business, right from investment through to design, procurement and project delivery. And then when I think about, you know, critical control for space frame buildings, which is where I work now, really in that construction game. In Brisbane, you know, the maturity of our systems, we're kind of in that priority phase where critical controls are focused on those high-risk activities in construction with the opportunity to kind of um, diversify into other aspects of our business operations. So. Yeah, great. And looking at the um, results here, we've had a whopping 94% say that, yes, you should be doing that to a 6% who say no. So I think this might just highlight the difference of um, the organisations that we have on the call here. So we might have um, a number of people from a more mature organisation uh, with some uh, significant systems in place down to some organisations which uh, may not have any critical control program in place at all. Okay. Thanks everyone for participating, that's good. Over to you, Amelia. Um, yeah, so last week we heard from uh, Mark and Alex, they covered outsourcing versus insourcing, communicating known hazards, authorities and software development, deployment, sorry. Um, all of that information is available. Those sessions are recorded, um, just using the links through FIFO and MIOSH. Um, if we just go to the next slide, this week we will have a look at um, confirming critical controls, um, governance, uh, control effectiveness, and methods to calibrate benchmark and uh, our performance so that we can learn and we can see some continuous improvement. Yeah, thanks, Amelia. And um, just looking at the chat here, we've got a comment from Philip who was in the poll looking for the depends answer which um, I think is a very valid point. Um, if you want to add some more in there, Philip, around why you're looking for the depends, I think that'd be a great uh, conversation starter as well. Okay, so let's get into a bit of nitty gritty. So the first thing we're going to talk about here is confirming critical controls when working with contractors. So what I'm going to do now is take you through um, a recent project, a very recent project through FIFO Consulting. Um, and full transparency, I was not involved in this project, but uh, I think it's a, a really good one to talk through regarding uh, confirming critical controls. So um, FIFO was engaged to help manage and support the contract and management function of a um, construction project. So our client, whilst needing um, support due to uh, resourcing constraints, they also wanted a fresh set of eyes for an external group, which is becoming um, quite common as well. The scope of our client's project included um, the preliminary um, site work, which of course um, happens for most projects, but also the construction of a vault within a warehouse in New South Wales. So quite interesting, uh, not too sure what was in that vault, but um, obviously it's something that uh, needs to be quite secure. So 
the subcontractors being used did not have a critical control management program in place, which meant they had not identified critical controls for the work. Um, our client did have a critical control management program in place and had identified uh, the critical controls for the works. So our client wanted to make sure that they were comfortable that the subcontractors were working safely by implementing their critical controls. So I'm gonna take you through this graphic. Um, so the graphic shows um, how we plan to perform checks and reviews over the five stages of contractor management. So you can see up here on the top, we've got uh, the who. So we've got our client and then we've got FIFO consulting there. Across the top, we've got the five stages of contractor management. So we've got source, select and engage, two being mobilized, three manage, four evaluate, and five review and improve. So the responsibility of our client under the uh, first step being source, select and engage, was to select the contractor. It was our role to perform SWIMS reviews, which included um, looking at critical controls. So it was up to us to look at our clients' um, critical controls, what was required, and then looking at the subcontractor SWIMS and making sure that they were in there as well. It was also our role to look at um, insurance and police checks and review the safety plan. So as you can see there, that was performed by Mark Wright just recently. As we go to phase two, which is the um, mobilize, our client was responsible for the online induction. We were responsible for doing the client project risk register and the contractor briefing. So as you can see there, there was no um, reference to critical controls in that phase. When you look at the management phase, our client was responsible for the communication with their subcontractors and also the sign off of contractor permits, which did include critical controls. It was our role to provide a system for the daily handover and also the daily briefings, which included a critical control review, which is really important. Under section four, which is evaluate, our client was responsible for performing the periodic site visits. It was our responsibility to provide a system for daily, weekly and monthly checklists, which did include the critical controls as well. So it's really important that's being checked whilst those periodic site visits are happening. I think it's a really important one when you think about critical controls and going to do site visits. And it's something we've spoken about a bit in the past is going out there with a plan and a specific intent. But also if you're talking to your contractors or even your staff before you go out there, make sure they're aware of the program or what you're there for. It's a really critical one to create buy-in. Another role for us under Evaluate was the verification of WHS records and also the verification of high-risk work, which included the critical controls. Now, as we go to uh, phase five, which is review and improve, our client was responsible for the project review and finalization and a project um, wrap up um, and recommendation for improvements was our role, which included uh, critical control performance. So uh, this is just one example of what a company may choose to do to confirm critical controls are in place for their contractors. So um, yeah, a live example of a project we've been engaged to do um, and it's getting some great results. So I'm just gonna go quickly back to the chat because I think it's important to look at uh, what people are saying. Uh, we've got Philip here who um, had the original comment was, I was looking for the depends answer. So he said here, depends on what the principal um, or PC knows about the risk, depends on the safety maturity of the contractor, depends on the extent to which other contractors are managing the same risk and we want a uniform approach. Is there anything you'd like to add to that, Amelia? I think, you're absolutely right. Um, critical control management kind of, I feel, does rely very heavily on having some historic data to reflect on, um, you know, and depending on that level of maturity of that business, 
that bow tie assessment really identifying where those areas are that then will require critical controls to be implemented, you know, may or may not exist. So couldn't agree more. Yeah, and you said before you've had seen the difference between Lend-Lease and where you are now. So Lend-Lease, as we know, a world leader in this space. Um, a space frame um, implementing critical controls for their contractors at the moment? Yeah, so we predominantly focus our critical control management and I'm actually really excited to talk about this in a little bit more detail later on, but um, we really focus on our highest risk areas in construction and have considered things like our um, the scale of our business, including our resources that are available and to then monitor, um, review and evaluate those critical controls as well. Um, critical control points on their own aren't effective unless you have all those other um, reflective measures in place as well. Thanks so much. Over to you, Amelia, for the three lines of defence. So I'm just going to minimise that chat as well. Um, so when we look at establishing an assurance program, it does have to consider three lines of defence. Um, so when it comes to governance of contractors, we're really looking at, um, you know, first the operations, which is certainly where we're starting at the company that I, you know, work for now, and then you kind of build out from there. So moving out into support functions like health and safety um, teams, and then into um, third-party resources and support um, there as well. So it's really important to note, though, that there is a difference between management and governance um, in terms of their actions and, and their lines of defence. So where governance is really that strategic risk, sorry, that strategic task um, of setting organisational goals, um, direction and accountability frameworks, and then where we talk about management then just being allocation of the resources to kind of support that, overseeing the day-to-day -day operations and those sorts of things. Mm, for sure. And I think with those three lines of defence as well, making sure they're all coming together in some way and communicating and understanding where each of those uh, functions are at this is really important. Okay, so Amelia, I guess the key question uh, a lot of people are pondering is how far is too far when it comes to contractor assurance activity? Yeah, so, I mean, we, we're often going to find that different businesses are able to have different levels of control and influence on contractor activities. Um, and there are a number of factors that really influence that. And I'm just going to, I'm kind of going to talk a bit specifically to the agreement and contract um, levels, that really early kind of engagement piece where you're thinking about how you're going to um, manage and or what control and influence looks like with each contractor so things that are really going to affect your level of control and influence at that contract stage you're going to include your company's risk appetite I think that's a really big one it it's a crucial component it it's a, plays a really key role in decision making process around contractor engagement so you know a, a really well-defined risk appetite is going to ensure that all of your decisions taken throughout the course of your project are really consistent with your organization's um, goals. Um, from my experience, most companies are really going to have a, a low, very low risk appetite around their highest risk areas and factors that are going to affect what your risk appetite looks like or what your tolerance looks like might include how well established your contract and management strategy um, is. 
So organisations that have that really well-established history and experience may then be more comfortable accepting more calculated risk, uh, where less mature companies then might take a greater um, risk, and that might be for growth or profit or just from lack of understanding of components of, you know, um, causes and consequences of um, different uh, material unwanted events. Uh, performance that you want to incorporate into uh, contracts and agreements, um, you know, is, is kind of like what metrics are going to indicate success around that uh, engagement. Um, and I think you need to consider, you know, what, what is required to meet the safety objectives that you have for that contract scope. Um, and then you're not just considering, you know, what, how you measure their performance, but you're also kind of setting a threshold, which is like a, a ceiling limit for what you're going to accept before you're going to stop them from continuing any works um, or prompt a critical control review or an investigation in the worst case scenario. Um, and you'll also really need to consider what workplace health and safety resources you have at your disposal. So really how, what is your capacity and capability for management of your contractor in terms of being able to uh, influence uh, and control their safety performance. Because there is so much involved in the verification activities. There's you know, a, a lot in, there's a, a lot of um, resources required to effectively collect, review and assess um, that verification and performance information as well. Yeah, great. And a, um, a question that I uh, want to pose to you is, what's our space frame doing in this um, space at the moment? Yes, this, this is an area that I would say we are increasing our focus on where, you know, uh, initially we had focused really in um, operations and we're moving into a lot of procurement um, type assessments. So we're looking a lot more at contractors, you know, previous performance as an indicator for their likelihood of success on our roles and then focusing on that 20% of our uh, work is where our highest risk in terms of you know material safety outcomes exists, we're focusing critical controls in that area where we do have resources to verify and review performance. Yeah, for sure. And are you looking at um, what kind of assurance activities are you doing? Are you good, have you got third parties coming in as well, or not just yet? Yeah, so I mean it's a good question, and um, certainly that looks different in every business. So at SpaceFrame at the moment, the assurance practices that we have in place, we have operational involvement in terms of um, site management inspections, regular uh, verification activities and observations by them, you know, really at a um, grassroots level. Then internally, we have internal audit programs, um, internal inspections, and then I guess I would call certification audits a type of internal assurance process. We do have uh, an outlook to engage with uh, specialist consulting to then um, engage more from third party unbiased uh, assessment and, and kind of gap assessment for wh where we're at versus where we could be. Mm. And I guess it's um, quite exciting to knowing what can be done from your time at the least and knowing Absolutely. where you are now at a point in time and where it's going to head is exciting. And I think one thing that Mark always talks about is to uh, to try and save some heartache, it's all around that planning. So I'm assuming um, now you're doing a lot of planning for the future and what that looks like. Yeah, I'm, I'm so very fortunate. And um, by, by intention and, and by design, we have 
you know, generated a lot of senior management buy-in around this, you know, maturity process around our safety systems. And so we have six monthly senior management review uh, around where we're at, goal setting, where we want to be. Um, and that's been really supportive for what we're trying to achieve. Yeah, that's great. I think as well, like on one hand, it's really exciting knowing where you're going to head. But I think on the other hand, when you've been in that environment before, you just want to get there as well. So it's about, um, I guess, taking um, small steps as well to make sure that you do it right is um, a critical part of it. Look, it's that's actually been um, a really important learning. You know, you you can't spread yourself too thin and really intentionally we focused our efforts on where we thought we had the most influence or the biggest risk initially and then we kind of diversify from there into the nice to haves and into that best in practice space yeah great a lot of good things happening okay so now we're going to look at where to check so the lifestyle of product and services so of course naturally when we think about uh, where our focus goes it goes to operations i think it's just a natural progression we go to but where else should we focus is the question. And that's going to uh, be different for all um, different sorts of companies. So uh, depending on your business, the supply chain is an area um, to focus your attention. And I was going to ask you, Amelia, do you have any examples of assurance activity being performed outside of operations from either a lend lease or space frame point of view? Yes, certainly. So in previous business that I, ha- you know, that I have experienced and I've seen a lot of um, uh, work being done on um, that really chain of responsibility in in transport. Uh, it is a complicated area. It's an emerging risk area, um, and it's something that even at Spaceframe we are looking to work towards uh, better um, influence on as well. Yeah, that's that's a really common one. It's um, definitely a sore point for many organisations. But um, one thing to think about, like I said before, looking at the um, little icons there. I hope today people on the call will get a bit of a sense of where they should be looking or could be looking as well to, um, to put some insurance activity. Okay, so I think one thing we can all agree on that seeking feedback from the workforce is vital uh, for many reasons. So uh, one thing that we're finding though, contractors aren't often included when it comes to seeking feedback and they may be included from a really organic level on site, but from a strategic point of view, it's not often done. So Amelia, does SpaceFrame seek feedback from the workforce? And how do they do so if they do? Um, uh, so we 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 do, um, and you know I kind of want to keep the context of um, my answer in you know that kind of mid tier builder space. Um, I'm not sure what kind of type of businesses or um, companies that are on uh, with us today. So just want to keep that context when I give this answer. We we regularly discuss and review contractor performance as will most of you and then our means for collecting feedback uh, from contractors themselves though are pretty informal so at this point in time that contractor feedback is really in the form of you know relationship management just checking in with the um, contractor leads either on-site or pre-procurement, we have kind of like regular engagement sessions with our key subcontract companies as well. It is something that's fairly informal um, and that we're looking to invest a lot more time and structure uh, around. 
Yeah, I think that's a really good point is, you know, there might be some people from organizations here that are um, doing a lot in this space, but from where you are as a company at this point in time, um, that's just where you are. And that's the, the idea is to look at the opportunity now, what you can, what you can do. But it sounds like it is quite ad hoc and organic. And um, yeah, like we said, where you're at at the moment, that, that could be okay. Uh, but it's about uh, building on that now moving forward. Yeah, completely agree. Certainly an area where there is some opportunity. You know, we kind of only have just got to the place where we're collecting really good data about that contractor performance. And so that's the organic next step. Yeah, and these things take time as well. <laughs> um, so as mentioned in previous webinars, the Health and Safety Index is a great way for organisations to obtain feedback. Um, and what we're seeing now is many of our clients are starting to use the index uh, for their contractors or they're asking the question, you know, can this be used for our um, contractors as well? And the answer is yes, of course. So by using the index for your contractors, it's going to give you some really good insights um, to what's happening out in the field, what the reality is, but also um, some of the performance um, measures as well. So um, what we're going to do now is look at the recent health and safety index benchmark results. So some of you may have seen another webinar that came out recently with the benchmark results. Um, if you didn't and you want some more information, please feel free to reach out. We're happy to provide those benchmark results. Um, they're really quite interesting and they span over, I think it was seven industries uh, by memory, um, don't test me on that one. So uh, what we're gonna do now is look at the, the lowest scores that we found. So it's important to note here that the negative questions are reversed. So the higher the percentage results is a better score. So the lowest contractor results from our benchmark data shows that taking shortcuts, we've got the employees in purple at 63% and the um, contractors at 53%. So um, a little bit worse performance there. The next one's uh, um, quite a, a big difference the pressure to compromise safety being 46% for contractors and 69% for staff or employees. Health and safety violations, so quite close this one, 66% uh, versus 71% and workplace bullying being 55%, so uh, a fair bit lower in contractors uh, versus employees at 66%. So Amelia, is there any surprises here for you? Uh, so yes or no, I think. Um... You know, it always depends on the, the type of business um, at the scale and, and the maturity of that business as to what you probably expect to see in, this, in these results. Um, but this really highlighted to me that um, employees um, probably rated themselves more harshly around um, their safety standards and then also felt that they were more affected um, by these kind of, you know, uh, negative um, aspects. I think some of that might be a result of perhaps a more significant amount of care and concern um, that employees would hold as different to what a contractor might have. And that, you know, that's really something that's unique to internal stakeholders in the business, is in a business, so employees, where that responsibility is kind of um, moral or cultural um, as well as legislative that's kind of what stood out to me that they were probably they probably had set a higher standard mm, and I think as well it's important to note that um, contractors live in a different world to us they get paid job to job you know, it's different from employees so they're under uh, their own time pressures as well to, to get in get out um, as they say and What's really interesting is um, if you're a company that uses the index to, to look at the contractor um, scores that you're getting and then look at your incident performance as well and 
see if you can uh, make a link there as well. So um, thanks for those insights, Amelia. Uh, I noticed that it's 11.59, so these do go quite quickly. Um, if you do want some more, um, more information from us, you can use these slides afterwards. Um, the links are clickable, so you can find some more information. You can give the index a quick demo. Um, like I said before, we've got a, um, a, an assurance tool that can help you out as well. Um, there's also the six steps to contract a safety downloadable on our website as well. So uh, that's free, feel free to grab it. Um, and of course, if you wanna, wanna have a chat to us, uh, feel free to reach out after the webinar. Thank you, Terry. Um, I'd just like to invite anyone to put any questions into the Q&A panel um, and we will get to them. I did share those, um, those the six part series on critical control that um, FIFO did last year with um, various clients of yours and um, they, that was very informative. So um, there aren't any questions right now. Um, I will share a link to next week's webinar and that'll be presented by Myosh and we'll be showing you how um, our clients use our software to manage the um, contractor lifecycle stage um, and I'll put that link in here again and please note that it's now only two hours between the eastern states and western Australia so um, they start at 11 30 next week so um, yeah I'll just put that link in but thank you Amelia um, and thank you Terry for today um, we'll send the recordings in about four hours out and um, hope everyone has a great rest of their week Thanks, Terry. Thanks, Sarah, for hosting us. Thanks so much, everyone. Bye. Take care.